Good evening and welcome everyone to tonight's live broadcast of the Road to Recovery. Tonight is May 26th, I believe, of 2019. It is Memorial Day weekend. It is a moment in a time of reflection uh, to think about all those uh, men and women throughout our history who have given their lives for the protections and the rights that we as Americans enjoy freedom of speech, and tonight will be no different. We are doing the broadcast live. I'm actually driving in a car as we speak. I'm trying to do this hands-free. We will not be able to take phone calls tonight, unfortunately, um, and especially after last week. Uh, a great show that we had last week, and I want to thank my guests, uh, Jacoby, and especially Julie Pirelli the mother and father of a young girl whose life was tragically snuffed out at the age of about, what, 21, 22 years old by someone under the influence of methamphetamine. And it was, uh, it was a tough show last week, but there were still moments that, uh, that were relatively lighthearted, uh, which is good. That means that a lot of the grieving has been... Uh, Experience to work through. Ms. Pirelli is a very strong woman, and uh, she and her husband uh, shared a lot of very personal, intimate feelings and, and uh, their experience through this terrible tragedy of the loss of a young lady whose life was just beginning. Uh, just tough. Just due to a uh, the selfish act of someone under the influence of methamphetamine. You know, and a lot of times we don't give much consideration to what we do when we drink or drug or something like that. We, we feel like we're just doing something to ourselves. What's the big deal? You know, uh, if we want to do it, it's our lives and our bodies, and, and, uh, and we don't think beyond that. But when we get into situations that can impact and affect other people, much like this one where the young man got in behind the wheel of a car and was driving, and it was relatively early in the day, probably at, I think they mentioned somewhere around 5, 6 o'clock, uh, he lost control of his vehicle. He didn't realize where he was going. He went to an intersection and took out this young lady that was driving a motorcycle, and... Uh, she didn't die right away. Unfortunately or fortunately, she, she hung in there for some time, uh, never regained the consciousness, but her mother was able to be by her side when she, she found her fast. And I don't know if that's any type of comfort, but uh, still, it was a very tough experience to hear. And, and, and I want to thank Julie and Jacoby for finding the courage and the strength to share that experience with us, with our uh, our audience live last week, and uh, yeah, it's recorded, so you can go back and listen if any of you would like to listen to that story and hear firsthand from the victim standpoint. Now, the road to recovery is about sharing our experience, strength, and hope about <clears throat> what what it was like when we were caught up in our addiction. What happens to get us to look at ourselves and realize that maybe what
alcohol, without our addiction. There are many other addictions that, that people could be affected by. Gambling is a big one. Uh, you know, we, we talk often talk about drugs and alcohol, but gambling is definitely one. And food is another issue. You could be an anorexic, a bulimic, you could be overweight. You can, uh, you know, there's many ways that you can uh, affect yourself with using, well, you know, and it's a form of drug. It's a comfort food. It goes from being comfortable to, to actually being addictive where we race to it to, and, and that's where we get our, our warm fuzzies. You know, warm fuzzies need to come from within, okay? And if we haven't learned that at an early age or if we want that opportunity to um, to nurture that or to create that in our lives or, or you know, then we need to we need to go back and learn. And I learned, okay, I am sober tonight, 23 years, eight months, and 26 days. But who's counting? But I'm, but I'm, I count. I count every single day that I work my program in recovery. I'm grateful for another day and another opportunity to to live my life. Something that uh, working a program in recovery gave back to me. Now. We're going to talk a little bit about a bunch of things tonight, okay? But uh, I do want to do shout-outs to many people. Uh, Anna, you know, I love you, man. You're a, you're a great person. Anna from New York, uh, you're just a very special person. And I've watched you grow so much in the last five or six years since we met on the show. Keep up the good work. It's wonderful. Um, I have a new friend out on the West Coast that we might hear from in the future that. That's Amy. Amy from California. Uh, Amy, I hope you're uh, enjoying your first split. Something out of it. That we provide I'm back. I know that uh, we lost connection there for a while, and we might do that a few times, unfortunately. I'm doing a live remote broadcast 
from my car. I am in the middle of the state of Illinois tonight, out near the town of Princeton, and hopefully we're going to find a place where we can broadcast that uh, we won't be too badly affected by interference or drop calls. Uh, we have Verizon, and i got to tell you, the service is not very good. My wife, about that, my wife was two weeks now. She has AT&T, and her service is absolutely horrible out this way. So, you know, we get spoiled in technology thinking that we're going to be able to do everything and anything, and unfortunately we can't. So, But this isn't a uh, phone call bashing everything. What we're trying to do is I'm trying to find a place where we should be able to broadcast and sit and, uh, and just reflect. Because uh, I thought about it. We might do a, a, a short broadcast tonight simply because it's the holiday weekend and uh, I'm not in the office. Normally I broadcast from my real estate office in West Chicago, Illinois. However, <clears throat> uh, you know, my new wife of two weeks, and her family, uh, we are all out at her uh, her uh, lake house in Lake Thunderbird, Illinois, and you know we're we're enjoying a good time. But the show must go on. I believe you know working the program. I work a program every day of my life. Okay, the most important thing that I need to do in my life is to stay sober. That is the most important. If I do that, I have a chance of making good decisions throughout the day. It doesn't guarantee that I make good decisions. It just means that I'm guaranteed to have the opportunity to make good decisions. And I try. I do my best to do good things um, in my life today as compared to before where I've made quite a few mistakes, etc. But um, I was going on, and again, our show is actually broadcast live out of uh, California. So we call into the studio, and the studio broadcasts from California. Uh, so our call-in number, which, you know, I don't want to even bother giving you tonight because it's uh, I'm not going to be able to take your call. We don't have access to the Internet where I'm at. It's strictly a, a cell phone and calling into the studio, uh, and there's nobody working the boards tonight. So, But I do want to thank Steve, my, uh, my good friend Steve, for setting up the uh, page. On the internet, uh, our website www.roadtorecovery.club, and Steve, you know, posts some good information. Sometimes he posts a link to the show, the live show. Again, what made last week even more special was that uh, Miss Julie Pirelli and Jacoby—that was actually Steve's son and daughter-in-law. And for many people that don't know Steve's story, Steve was in the bottle for a good portion of his life and uh, was absent. Uh, He was a husband and a father, and he really didn't do much of anything simply because he drank quite a bit. But the good news is that even after all those years of being in the bottle, Steve found recovery and is celebrating almost four years of continuous sobriety. Kudos to him. I applaud you. I applaud anybody who is working a program of recovery, whether you have one day, one week, one month, two months, two years, 20 years. It doesn't matter. If you're working that program, it's a good thing, and you should see immediate benefits in your life staying sober. Uh, 
Now, I want to do a shout-out to my friend Tony in Chicago, Tony the Fireman, and to his nephew, Kevin. Kevin, I want you to know that, uh, you know, sobriety is a choice. Being sober is definitely a choice. And I'm not going to tell you, I had a hard time giving up alcohol in my life. I did. I had a very difficult time because it had been so much a part of my life while it seemed like other things were falling apart. It just seemed like if I quit drinking, I was going to give up any type of fun or recreation or joy in my life. And that's what alcohol did to me. Alcohol convinced me that it was my best friend. And really, it was the one thing that kept me on the dark side, kept me doing bad things in my life and affecting my life in really bad ways. At one time, it, it, it was the uh, cat's meow for me. It was the one thing that I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, it makes me feel part of the group. You know, I did, uh, the peer pressure wasn't there. It was peer support because everybody was excited that I was drinking with them. I just did a little bit better than most people. And they didn't see the impact and the effects that it was having on my life when they weren't around. Um, and there was many, many adverse, terrible struggles, challenges. I was married three times during the period of time I was drinking. Yeah, three times. Um, and I'm not proud of that. Not at all. I have three children. Three children I'm proud of, but the fact is that I wasn't around most of the time raising them, other people, other men were, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to them that they, you know, they didn't molest my daughters, that they raised them as if they were their own. And my son, who continues to uh, evolve, you know, he is strongly under the influence of another man. Um, he has a hard time dealing with the fact that I'm sober the fact that I don't drink because he's at that point in life where for him it's important and uh, and it's not important. He doesn't understand what what I'm experiencing and, uh, well, and that's unfortunately for him. But the business is just, it works for me and, I, and that's the only one I really have to take care of is me. Okay, I don't have to explain myself to anybody or anything anymore and this is a good thing and I don't and I do what I can do for me, and it works. You know, and, and interesting, like, I wanted to say shout-out to a, a bunch of more people, not just Anna and Amy and Kevin and Tony and Dan down in Florida. Um, you know, great. A lot of people, my friend Joan in Alabama. You know, when I was trying to think of what topic to do tonight on Memorial Weekend, it's always wondered. I always try to figure out what topic should I bring up. And God has an incredible way of bringing issues to the forefront to help me understand what, what he would like me to talk about. And uh, I, uh, I call God. He's my higher power. I work a 12-step program. It's an Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, the show is not supported or promoted by Alcoholics Anonymous. This is a show put on and supported only by me, okay, and anybody else that wants to listen and wants to share and uh, and share with you. We share our, our personal experience, strength, and hope with the hopes that, you know, we are going to uh, be able to help each other grow because 
Recovery is a weed program. It's not just the one person saying, I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going to stop drugging or I'm going to stop my addiction. You know, try to imagine a blended type stuff by themselves. It's kind of tough. It's not an easy thing to do, quitting your addiction. But it is the right thing to do. And if you can do it, that's great. And why try it on your own? It's always better with somebody else. You know, the topic that I thought I'd address this week, and uh, we'll, we're going to talk about, we might end this show at 8 o'clock. Instead of going till 9 o'clock, we do a two-hour show. But again, sitting in a car, I'm in the downtown Houston area of Illinois, next town from a Dairy Queen. And I'm broadcasting live. And uh, if you go by, I doubt many people are. But, hey, it's okay. That's how live we are. We're, I'm a real person. But the topic I want to bring up this week is I have a sponsee, okay? And my sponsee told me this week, okay, that when I asked him his favorite date, he said, oh, it's about, three, it's about a month now. and you know, when somebody says it's about a, it's it's somewhere around. Generally, it means that they don't, they're not really working it the same way that I am. That, you know, it's not that important to them. And for me, I do. I remember August thirtieth, nineteen ninety five, is my sober take. So again, that's how I can count back and say twenty three years, eight months, twenty six days, because I do remember that day. It was very important. And my life turned around for the the major positive I'm going through divorce. And and I had two DUIs already tonight. I already had two DUIs. The third one would mean losing my license for even longer than the two years that I lost it on the second one. Um, and and my job is I'm a real estate broker and I certainly didn't want to do that. But it was hard enough going through the third divorce. And I finally stopped and said, okay, maybe I'm the problem. Instead of blaming everybody, and I used to do that really well, I decided that maybe I was the reason why I was having all this problem in my life, and maybe if I took the alcohol out of my life, that things would change, and guess what? Mm-hmm. But what they did was, they took the curtain that I was hiding behind away from me, and I was exposed to the world in a way that I was not used to. I was frightened. I was afraid. I was angry. I was many things. I was, I was caught up in a lot of emotions because I couldn't hide my feelings and emotions anymore. I would experience them. People saw me getting angry and getting frightened. They saw me crying a lot. Here's a man at the age of 38 finding tears because I couldn't hide anymore. And, and I, I certainly had built up a, a ton of resentments and issues and, and, and I just didn't know what to do with and deal with. You know, not all alcoholics are the same. Not all alcoholics or, or drug addicts or anybody caught up with an addiction, not not all the same, okay? We are unique in some ways. However, there are so many similarities that, that you can share with people in recovery. That's what we tell you to do. Don't look at the differences because there's a lot of differences there. If you look at the similarities of in recovery, you'll find uh, you'll find that you're not alone. You'll find that there are, are are people that have been where you have been, and can get beyond. 
You know, there's nothing worse than losing a family. You know, to sit and uh, two weeks ago, two weekends ago, okay, two weekends ago, May 11th, Saturday, May 11th, okay, will live in infamy in my life because that's the day I got married to my the fourth time I got married, but the first time that I really had given so much thought and desire to want to marry this, this woman. And I have married the most wonderful woman of the lovely Miss Martha. And she is lovely in so many ways, not only a, a physically attractive, she's got an incredible smile, she's incredibly intelligent. She's very loving and very, very accepting. And that's one thing that... <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't have custom ordered somebody better than her and I know that my higher power, Lord Jesus Christ, put put her in my life for me and said, Here, you deserve another try at this. You deserve somebody good in your life. And we had we got married two weekends ago and you know, um I don't know. I'm just very fortunate. I, I'm happy and excited to be married. Um yeah, you know, there are things, you know, that, you know, well, you know what? It's not that. I met somebody that I could share with that we could have twice the fun. You know, somebody is looking out for me. I get to look out for them. You know, we as human beings do better when we're involved with other people. When somebody cares about us, we do care about other people. And it is not normal get lost in our bottles and to sit and drink and and close our our minds and hearts off to the rest of the world. Uh, you know, the uh, Simon and Garfunkel sing a song and it goes, and an island never tries. You know, and it doesn't. An island doesn't. And a rock doesn't feel anything, but we are not rocks and we are not islands. We are living, breathing human beings that were put on the earth to help one another and to acknowledge that we have a higher power and that is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to get very religious or spiritual with you tonight because that's not the focus tonight. But I will tell you that Jesus is a part of my life, and I'm grateful that he is because, you know, it is nice to think that we have this omnipotent being out there in the universe looking out for us. And the lovely Miss Martha is proof positive to me, further proof positive. It's not just one, but further proof positive that he's out there and loves us, all of us, not just me, not just you, not just – he loves us all. He walks around saying, I love you, come to me, let me love you until you learn to love yourself. And not in a narcissistic way, but in a loving, caring, um, compassionate way and that's how we should love people in our lives, with compassion, with, with uh, you know, with the thought of, of not selfishness, but selflessness. Um, and again, that's where this show is coming from. I am so excited that I have so much to offer because of being sober and because of all the, the wonderful miracles that took place in my life. Uh, over the years, we don't know what's happening right away. And let me tell you, the beginning of my sobriety was very difficult because I was uh, coming out of drinking. I didn't have friends. My family had turned their backs on me. They they had enough of me. Um, you know, I'm now 13 kids. And last two weekends ago at my wedding, eight 
more of my siblings joined me to celebrate, and they were very excited about the fact that I found this lovely uh, companion, the lovely Miss Martha, and they came and celebrated with me. And I feel very lucky. I feel very fortunate that I don't get opportunity to share that with family members. And that's what part of being sober is, is interacting with people. Now, we have to pick and choose. And being around my family all the time is not a very healthy thing because there's still a lot of sick people from being raised with my father. I know they're good people. I know they mean well, but they still have their own set of habits, issues that they have to deal with. And until they deal with them, I don't want them crapping up my life in an extended period of time. Short little bursts are fine because they are uh, from which I, get, I, I, I was raised. I, I often tell my one brother that, um, you know, I feel like uh, we were litter mates, more like litter mates, uh, you know, where the mother bitch has, uh, you know, she's impregnated by the bastard dog and, and she has a litter of puppies, 13 puppies, and, you know, they're all in a box fighting for food and, and, and et cetera, and people come along and take them and they're gone and, and they never see each other again. And, you know, that not entirely reflects what was it like, but in a lot of ways there was very many similarities there. But um, but it was uh, two weekends ago, we put all that down. We put, uh, the focus was just, you know, me loving the lovely Miss Martha and vice versa and and feeling that love. And I got to say, it was very, it was a very tender and touching moment for me, and it always makes me think how being sober made it all possible. Stopping the alcohol and the drugs in my life, mostly alcohol. Okay, stop that, you know, and I got so much more back in my life. Okay, and the the times that I thought were fun and joyful. And etc. When I drink, I've had better times sober. There's oftentimes we say the best times drunk are never any better than our worst times sober. And really, I'd rather be sober and know that I'll never get a DUI, know that uh, I I have choices back in my life that if I make good choices, excuse me good things will continue to happen. And if I make bad choices, I know that I can stop them and readjust and get back on track a lot sooner than I did when I was caught up with my drugs and alcohol, okay? So I want you to have that too. That's really important. Um, And why do I want that? Well, because nobody told me how to live my life before I found sobriety. How I found it was really by a fluke. I stayed away from anybody that even hinted that I might be an alcoholic because I still functioned in my job. I did have two DUIs. I did have three failed marriages. Okay, but that, in my mind at that time, it wasn't my fault. It was, you know, everybody else's fault, the world's fault. If you only knew what I did and what I went on, uh, what, what went on in my life and what I had to overcome, you would have compassion and sympathy and say, oh, you deserve it, man. You deserve to drink and 
those cops are being mean and unfortunate because you deserve better. Well, guess what? Not in today's world, people. Okay? Very unacceptable. In fact, to the point where, you know, I was one of those people that said, oh, what's the big deal, .08? Give me a break. That's just like a couple beers. To today, Dan's saying me, I'm saying we should have a letter, literally a zero tolerance for anybody behind the wheel of a car. Zero tolerance. And if you think about that and give it some really serious thought, you may understand why I say that. Not because I want to be mean to anybody, but I think it's unfair to alcoholics all over the world to tell them it's okay for them to have two or three beers and still get behind the wheel. And why is that? Okay, Because it is not the 10th beer or the 20th beer that gets them. It's the first one. And as soon as I take that first drink, I'm gone. I I tell myself, okay, I'll, I'll just have one more, just one more, one more, one more. One more becomes ten more, and, and there's never enough. And then you tell that person, you can get behind the wheel of a car and drive? Yeah, you're right. It's not going to happen. If you can't get behind or drug addict, for the most part, that is a zero tolerance that you will not get away if you have any alcohol or drug on it. And I bet you, you will see the the number of drunk driving arrests dropped substantially. Absolutely, positively. That I believe that. And I think to some degree that our society is not ready for that. It's like changing our society and going from oil-based operating vehicles, gasoline, auto oil, to all electric. Well, while that might be a hard thing, it's even accomplishable. Okay. However, you're going to throw half the world in a tizzy because of the dependency on oil and oil products, etc. Well, the same thing with uh, the dependency on our judicial system. Okay, to to implement to collect fees for for you know arresting drunk drivers. It's very costly today to get a, a DUI and to be caught driving under the influence or driving without a. a a permit or a license or whatever under a suspended license, very, very expensive. And I don't know that, uh, you know, we have budgets that can make up for a lot of that money. I think uh, that's part of the the thrill. But if we did, if we looked at it legitimately and, and, and logically, just that simple statement alone that you cannot tell a drug addict or an alcoholic they can have one and drive or two and drive. That's like the kiss of death. It's not the first drink that gets, I mean, it's not the last drink that gets them. It's the first one. It is the first one that gets them. Because our judgment and our ability to make good decisions is impaired as soon as we take one drink, as soon as we allow ourselves the pleasures of a high, and we're affected. So keep that in mind because over time, when possible, I am going to push for a zero, zero tolerance, and I think it should be pushed. And I think it's for the betterment of everybody, including alcoholics and drug addicts, because if you know you can't drink and drive, you have a better chance of not doing it. You know, so the topic that I wanted to tell you about is 
my sponsee this week said to me, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. When I asked him what his sober date was, he said about a month. And then when we got specific, it was less than a week. And I don't even know if it was a week, you know, and, and if he was being honest, which I hope he was. Okay, a week is still better than nothing. One day is still better than nothing. But to make believe that you are sober for a, a longer period of time to win favor, he's still my friend. I told him he'll always be my friend if he'd like. Okay, it's not a matter of I'm not going to be affected one way or another um, if if he goes out and continues to drink. Unless, of course, he runs into me or one of my loved ones while he's drinking and under the influence. But he will be greatly impacted if he loses his driver's license again. He will be greatly impacted if not only loses his driver's license, but loses his job, which he almost did the last time, and which was one of the reasons why he went into rehab and, you know, to get back on his feet and to overcome this issue that was happening for him. The problem with some people is in the program is that we get well and then we think we can continue on right where we left off. The reality is just that, is that we, we, if I started to drink again, I'd probably go right back to where I was when I left off. It would just be reactivated. I'd be right back. And I don't want that. I don't want that. But until you realize that's what's going to happen, there's those of us think that we can do this, that we have gotten sober long enough that we realize, oh, maybe it's not really a big problem for us anymore. And have I had that thought? Absolutely. I, you know what? I was smart enough at least or enough to stay the course and to continue working a program and because I did, I continued to get benefits and blessings, and I can see them, and I appreciate them, and I value them, and I will continue, continue my my journey into sobriety. It's not a destination. It's not like, oh, okay, you got sober, I got 10 years, and blah, blah, blah. Again, 23 years, 8 months, and 26 days. Who's counting? I am. I count another day. Today, how wonderful. I doubt that I'm going to drink. And I brought the lovely the two bottles of wine out of the three that we bought when we were at a wine tasting party a couple weeks ago. But, of course, I did not taste the wine because I have no interest in wine. I have no interest in wine or alcohol or, or, or beer or booze or anything. In fact, it's amazing the number of people that are, are enmeshed in Alcoholic rituals of sorts, you know, it's been here for breakfast, not breakfast, breakfast, oh, maybe for lunch or, or dinner, definitely dinner and white wine and red wine and, and a hard liquor and this and that. And I, we, you know, we went on our honeymoon. We didn't talk much about it, but we went on our honeymoon to the Dominican Republic to an all-inclusive resort spot. And I want to thank my in-laws for that or my daughter-in-law's in-laws or whatever, whoever offered that opportunity to us. It was wonderful. I will say that I didn't think the food was all that great, but, you know, 
there was plenty of booze to go around. At this resort, did there's kids there, but even for the most part, the adults they can get a drink anywhere they wanted, alcoholic drink. Myself, I drink a lot of water because it was pretty hot. I drank a few uh, uh, non-alcoholic drinks. Now I, I'm talking totally independent of alcohol, not not like the near beers or the you know, uh, the uh, the ones that they call near beers which still have a degree of alcohol in them. No, no, none. These are none. I not alcoholic drinks. Just hold the alcohol. You can have a drink. And, uh, and I like them. They were sweet. I'm a, a sweet drinker. But, again, these other people, they drank and drank and drank. And it didn't matter for them as much that the food sucked, okay, because they were drinking. And, you know, it wasn't that important to them that uh, – because the booze was plenty and flowing, and they could have as much as and as little as they want. I get a little, I was kind of amazed by that. I only saw one person during my time there that actually puked, um, and that was somebody coming off a boat ride. And I don't know if it was a wave that contributed, but it was definitely uh, played somewhat of a role in, in this happening for them. And so, you know. Um, Kids, okay, kids crossing the street in the middle of the road, not a crosswalk. We're in a little town of Princeton, so I guess people do things differently today out here than they do in the big city or whatever. But uh, safety first, girls. Uh, You're listening to The Road to Recovery. My name is Dan Chuba. I am a real estate managing broker owner. I've been in real estate 37 years, 23 years, eight months, and 26 days of it, I was, I've been alcohol-free. What did I do when I drank? Well, I did a lot. I sold a lot of real estate. I knew a lot of people. But, you know, the price I paid for drinking while I was working was my family. I lost three failed marriages, three. I watched my three kids be raised by other people. Now, I'm very blessed because my three kids I know love me, and they still let me in their lives, and uh, I've got grandchildren from them. I've got, uh, uh, I've got uh, three grandchildren. Um, one is, uh, his name is Zachary, the oldest one, six years old. And then there's Serafina and little George. And they're all cute and adorable, and I love them. I love my kids, and I love the opportunity that they're giving me to be part of their lives. My oldest daughter had my wedding. My son didn't come because he works. He's a suicide. <laughs> the 11th was the day before Mother's Day. Excuse me. And he works for a very posh and exclusive restaurant. He had a lot of responsibility to do to get ready for the next day. You know, I understand, and that was okay. My youngest daughter, love her dearly. She's on the West Coast. She's a firefighter, and she has twins, and her husband, the two of them, they do a lot, and they're very involved in their lives and work and stuff, and they just couldn't find the opportunity to come out and join us. So, And that's okay. And I know they love me. I know their thoughts were with me. And, and uh, it was a great wedding. 
Um, they go too fast. In fact, life today, I can't believe it. it's been two weeks since I got married. Two weeks. I'm wearing a wedding band. It's the first piece of jewelry I've worn in my life since my first marriage. Um, I can't and third marriage, and they didn't last very long. I couldn't wear them. They don't work gold jewelry or any kind of jewelry. And I have watches. I can't wear watches. They just absolutely drive me crazy. But this, this wedding band on my finger, it means a lot. It means I've come very far. It means that I'm living life differently today than ever before. And because of that, I'm enjoying some of the wonderful promises that I've stated in uh, the program of recovery and alcoholic time. The Alcoholics Anonymous is the main program that I work in recovery. It is not the only one. There's, there's a program called Celebrate Recovery offered to the Christian churches that people can go to and, and become part of if you're you know, a total churchgoer. Our guest of about a month or a month and a half, maybe even two months ago, uh, who moved from Warrenville to the Carolinas, found peace and solitude in um, working a program in his church that he, he connected with and found some really good support there. Um, there is no one program that works best for everyone. You have to find the program that works best for you, one day at a time, one step at a time. And the program Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery really are just programs of suggestion. They're what you may do if you want. Okay, there you go. If you want what we have and are willing to put a link to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. And some of these we bought, we can, we can find it easier, softer way to not. With all the courage, we ask you to be honest, rigorously honest from the start. If you are rigorously honest, that means like my sponsee, admitting that he wasn't sober 30 days, that he was only sober maybe less than a week. And maybe not even that. You know, again, sobriety comes in so many different ways. Being sober. In fact, let me explain. There is a difference between being sober and sobriety. Sober is not drinking today, if you're you're free of whatever the addictive um, thing that you're in in your life, that's being sober. But sobriety is the quality of life that we live living sober, okay? And I work at that every day. I I have to be perfectly sober every day. That's the only perfect thing I need to do. But I, I work at the quality of my life sober. And that's bringing in better friends and people in my life, excluding those people that are draining, and there are a lot of them. And you say, well, Dan, some of those people need help. You know, see, what I've learned in the program is that you've got to want help, okay, in order to get help. If you don't want it, you may need it incredibly. It might be a big warning sign. Warning, warning, this person needs help badly. But until you want it, you're not going to get it. My my uh, a friend, uh, what was his name, Mark, okay, I sponsored him for a while. I stopped sponsoring him because he wasn't doing anything that he needed to do. And what's the point? What is the point? I mean, we're friends. He's welcome to call. I told him he could call anything. But I don't need a team of sponsor just because it's a title. 
And it's, 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 it should be a directional signal to somebody who needs help to know where to go when we need good or the best guidance that I can possibly offer. But I don't need a title just to make me feel good. I had another friend, Mike, who was uh, not working the program, not doing a lot of anything, but every time people talked to him, and he was sober, but he wasn't working the program, and he'd say, well, dance my sponsor. And I said, but you never call me. I, I told you what you needed to do for me as your sponsor. And he never did it. And so I said, well, I think you need to go find another sponsor because that's not the way to do this program in my mind. And I didn't feel good about taking accolades for something which I had really little to do as far as I know in my mind. And he went and found a different guy to sponsor him, and he loved this sponsor. This guy was wonderful, and he's the reason why we, we talk about sensitivity in the program of, of radio. This guy got to the point where he was giving lectures and and uh, Internet uh, videos about the program recovery, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, the guy killed himself. He committed suicide. And it just crushed my friend Mike. He was almost fortunate to go to the deep end and, and, you know, go back out and drink. He didn't go to the deep end and kill himself. But he was definitely put into a state of depression. He the program recovery. felt that the need to kill himself, that he didn't reach out and use any of the information or examples that he was given and that he gave to other people for himself. And that's really important. We've got to do it. I do this show every week for a couple of reasons, but the number one reason is because I live a very complex life. I involve with a lot of people. I operate a business. I jump from client to client to client. Not everybody's happy with me. And some are ecstatic about me. It goes from one one extreme to the next sometimes. Sometimes things work out the way they're supposed to. They always work out the way they're supposed to. But never, not always the way I thought they would or I, I was hoping they would. And the problem with that is that, you know, when I put expectations and then I'm let down, I'm disappointed. And, you know, being disappointed is a challenge, man. It's, it's, it's tough. And, but that's okay. It really is okay, and I come. I do this show every week because it gets me thinking about recovery every day during the week. What are we going to talk about? You know, etc. You know, is this a good topic? Can I involve other people? Who's going to be my next guest? Like I said, Amy. I'm looking forward to Amy joining me in maybe a week or two. She is somebody that I met in the course of doing my job. And yet here is somebody working a program in recovery. And, and just a few moments that we talked, I was very impressed with her skill level and her sobriety. I liked it. I liked her sobriety. It was pretty good from what I could tell. And I wanted her to come on the air and share her experience, strength, and hope. And that's how we recover people is by sharing our personal experience, strength, and hope. It's not for me going around and telling you what to do. It's for you to hear let me tell you what I did and what worked for me and what didn't work for me and letting you decide what you want in your life and if it's enough to get it. Now, I just want to let you know we've been talking for 50 minutes, okay, and I'm, again, in the downtown area of Princeton, Illinois, in the call about a couple doors away from a Dairy Queen, 
And I'm going to probably wrap the show up tonight at 8 o'clock and go back home and uh, and to the lovely Miss Martha and her family and her other family members, cousins and nieces and nephews there, and her brothers. And he was doing a great job. Steve, awesome. And I'm going to have some ice cream before I make my way back, and that's it. I'm going to enjoy the rest of the holiday. And I want you, too, to enjoy the holiday. And holidays are much more enjoyable for me. They're not the craziness that they were before. They're not the highs aren't that high and the lows aren't low. They're good. They're steady. They're, it's called serenity. And I love serenity. I love not having to worry or, or you know, is it going to be too high or too low or this, that, or anything. And I just, I, I got to tell you, I'm in a good place and a good spot. And I would love for you to find this place in your life as well. I am always here for you if you need something or someone. Like I said, my friend Anna, Anna, I'm always here for you, and you know that. And if nobody else will love you, I will until you learn to love yourself, until you, you understand the importance of loving ourselves. I didn't love myself. And the program of recovery loved me until I loved my, learned to love myself enough and where I was comfortable with being by myself. I didn't need somebody anymore like I did before. I just realized that if I took care of my needs, I didn't have to, you know, put that burden on other people and say, you need to do this for me and you need to do that for me. But you know what? The lovely Miss Martha is my my life mate now, and she does wonderful things for me, and I do wonderful things for her because we want to. It is not out of compulsion. It is out of love. It is out of wanting to, to to see my partner exceed and do well. And it's not like if I do this, then she'll do that. It's if I do this, she will go on and have a good life, and she will feel loved and appreciated. And I know that she believes the same thing of me. If she does those things for me, I will feel loved and appreciated. And that's a great feeling to have. It's a wonderful feeling to have. And we should all feel that. And I want you to feel that too. And in the course of our lives, there's nothing wrong. We can we can work. We can do other things. You know, again, um, the topic of am I an alcoholic, that's a very interesting topic because I've talked to many people who said, well, I had a problem and I quit drinking. The physical dependency is one thing. It is separate than the other part. And sobriety, again, when we just define it, getting sober is is one thing, and that's an important thing for all of us. Okay, some people say, "Oh, well, that you know, I ran into this guy Nate this week." Okay, Nate, and I got to say something. I looked at Nate and I looked at him, and the last time I saw Nate, he was sort of dressed in a suit. He was in a suit type of life, which was, in my mind, so not him. And he was married, and he had a child on the way. And today, I saw him, I saw him this week, Nate looked fabulous. He really did. And I go, Nate, you look like a contractor. And he goes, I am. And I go, and that's a good look for you. It really looks good. He goes, Dan, I'm really happy. And I said, and the marriage? He goes, the marriage ended, but we're still very good friends. And he goes, and I don't drink anymore. I don't need to go to meetings, but I don't drink anymore. I don't feel the same need to drink that I did back then. And today, 
you know, he's in his spot. Can other people drink? Hey, that's their business. If they can, if they think they can, good for them. I don't have to worry about that. I only have to take care of myself. I know the life is drinking, and I don't want that life ever back again. I know the life is not drinking, and, boy, I don't want to ever give this up because it just keeps getting better and better and better. So as you go through your day-to-day, week-to-week life, remember that we're always on Sunday night. You can always get to an AA meeting anywhere in the world. That's the wonderful thing about being an alcoholic it is that there are meetings seven days a week, usually seven times a day. You can find a meeting almost any time throughout the world. I didn't try to find one when I was in the Dominican Republic because it just wasn't that important to me uh, at that time. And I had no interest and no desire to And I got to say something. Uh, I'm glad if I can know that it's out there if and when I need it. And it's there for you and for anybody if and when you need it. All you got to do is reach out. You have to want it in order to get it. If you don't want it, you're wasting everybody's time. I was telling you about my friend Mark. Mark went through nine rehabs, nine count them. And when he was going through his ninth one, I had just met him, and we were working together. And he asked me if that I thought it was a good idea. He went to his ninth rehab. And I told him no. And he looked at me like I was, what? You don't think I should get a rehab? I should go through? And he was doing coke, and he was uh, alcohol. And I said, no, because if you have to go through nine rehabs, that means eight times you weren't interested in getting sober. And if you have to go through a ninth time, who's saying that you you want it bad enough anyway? If you're being put into rehab, you've got to want this program bad enough to grow. And if you want it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you have money or you don't have money. You'll get this. You can get this. It's a simple program for complicated people. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss it. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Don't make it overcomplicated. It doesn't need to be there. It needs to be as an active thought in your life on a day-to-day basis. And if you need support of someone, I'll be there if you'd like. My number, you can reach me, is area code 630-918-6729. And you are welcome to call me. And if I can do something for you, I will. If nothing else, I'll listen. You know, I know that my friend Anna called me up, and she needed to talk. And we talked. She she talked, and I listened. And I know she felt better because we can fix ourselves. Sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need guidance and direction. But we will and can fix ourselves. Somebody else isn't going to fix us. And we'll only fix ourselves when we want it bad enough. So you got to say to yourself, first and foremost, do you want to be sober? And if you start out that the courts made you do it, that your wife made you do it, that something happened, your job made you do it, but if you grasp it and make it yours and keep it as your, that you want this for you, and you can go forward and have a wonderful life. And that's really what our higher power, the Lord Jesus, wants us to have on this earth. He didn't say it's going to be a perfect world. There's still with pestilence and, 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 and weather problems and 
presidential problems and, and, and other things. But that doesn't mean we still can't enjoy this world. It's a beautiful world. It's a wonderful world. And there's even a better world beyond this. And all you have to do is open up your arms and your heart to our Lord Jesus. So that's something that you've got to think and do it for yourself, just like you have to want to be sober. And if you do want to be sober, okay, you can go into any AA club and say, hey, all you have to do is I have a desire to not drink. That's it. All you have to do is have a desire to not drink. Doesn't mean you are drinking. I'd rather see you go into an AA club drinking and, and, and for that one hour maybe not drink and and get some good input and thoughts and maybe someday you'll want it bad enough and you'll say, Hey, this is a good place. Okay? And you gotta want it. But if you want it, I'll tell you it can mean everything in your life turn around and better. I am living proof that it works, and I'm grateful to God that I have the opportunity to share these moments with you. So it's coming up on the 8 o'clock hour. We are going to end the show tonight at 8 o'clock. I appreciate you listening. If you did listen, if you got anything out of it, that's great. If you didn't, oh, well, I'm sorry. you got to listen a little bit better sometimes. Or maybe even uh, join me on the show next week. I'll be broadcasting live out of my office again next week. We will take calls live, and uh, we'll post the phone number where you can call in during the show and share your own personal experience, strength, and hope, or you can offer your criticisms or critiquing or, or your thoughts, your ideas, whatever you want. It's an open forum, and that's the beautiful thing about America and our, our, our system of government, that it allows us the freedom of speech. Okay? So be good to yourself. Love somebody else. If you get a chance, say hello to somebody you haven't talked to. Maybe even give them a hug, but always say hello first and then hug. I used to say hug and hello, but you know, you get in trouble be giving people hugs when you're not familiar with them or whatever. And have a great week and let's have other plans. I'm going to say good night now. And again, thanks for all for listening, Tony. Thanks for all your uh, encouragement and support. And uh, Kevin, you know, you're welcome to call me at any time. Again, the, the number is 630. 630- Nine one eight six one two nine. What you share with me, we'll keep in confidence. Okay, we won't share it, and it can be yours. Okay, and uh, to all my friends out there that listen on a regular basis, that listen on an irregular basis, that are my friends that I've met and made through this program of recovery, I wish you all the best, one day at a time. Good night, everyone. <laughs>